0: Genesis chapter 1, okay, Genesis chapter 1, it may or may not be on the board as well. Um, Okay, so here's kind of where we are to start off our semester, okay. Um, The story of the Bible, okay, I don't know my Bible, how can I know my Bible better? The story of the Bible can be summed up in three words, creation, fall, redemption, right, creation, fall, redemption creation, how we got here, fall, what happened, and redemption, how Jesus fixed what happened, and how he is still fixing it even in this very moment. Uh, We're going to spend, this is a short series, we're going to spend each of the next three weeks looking at these three words, one word per week. Okay? Hope I haven't lost anybody quite yet, right? One per week. Tonight is creation. All right. So turn to Genesis 1. And the thing about Genesis 1 is if you are literally anywhere else in the Bible, you've gone too far, right? Genesis 1, the first chapter of the first book. Um, Okay, here we go. I'm gonna talk about a lot tonight, okay? And, And my hope is that you guys will be encouraged and excited about how perfectly creation fits into our world, but if I say something tonight maybe that you question or maybe you don't see eye to eye with me on, I don't expect a lot of that, but, but wait until after and let's chat, right? Don't speak up, don't slip your hand up, like let's just wait and come up to me after and we can chat, okay? Does that make sense? Um, so that's where we'll be. Where are we from, right? Where are we from? What is our purpose? Why are we here? These are questions that can all be answered in the book of Genesis, okay? And it's called that because Genesis is the Greek word that means origin or beginning, okay? Now you can tell all your friends that, right? Genesis is a Greek word. that means origin or beginning, which is why it's called what it is. It's the first book of the Bible that you see. And if you go in chronological order, like by timeline, Genesis is still the first book of the Bible. And it starts with creation, So let's take it a verse at a time. All right. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. God is, don't miss this. God is the subject of the first sentence in the Bible. God is the subject. God is the point of the first sentence of the Bible. In the beginning, God. He is mentioned over 30 times in the first chapter of the Bible, which only has 31 verses. So he's mentioned in nearly every single verse of the first chapter. One commentator says this about verse 1. So look at verse 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. One commentator says this, The common Christian, so you and me, the common Christian, if he will remember these words, in the beginning God created, the heavens and the earth, if he will remember these words, he knows more about the universe's beginning than all the philosophers and all the scientists of the age. The first person mentioned in the Bible, the first person in the first sentence of the Bible, is God. And notice... This is interesting. The first, Well, I think it's interesting. The first thing God does in the whole Bible is create. The first verb about God in His Word is not that He lived, is not that He existed even, but that He created. In the beginning, God created. Moses could have said anything. He could have started it out any way he wanted. But he decides to write, in the beginning, God created. Moses wants his people to immediately relate God to the idea of being a creator. In the beginning, God created. This is who God is. This is what he does. He is creator. John chapter 1 is kind of a mirror of Genesis chapter 1. It begins with in the beginning as well. And John is using it to show us that Jesus is God. And listen to what it says in John 1.3. In John 1 3. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. God is responsible for the creation of everything, the making of everything. God was before it all, and he made it all. Now, I don't have to tell you that this is not the most popular belief system of our day, creation, okay? It's not the most popular belief system for where we all come from. Creation, or our origins in general, is not something a lot of people really care about anymore. I wouldn't even say people are actively against it, it's just that no one really cares about it, which is sad, because where we come from has a direct impact on how we should live today. Why are we learning about this, Ryan? Because where we come from and how we got here directly impacts how we live today. More on that in just a second. But to say that God made the world, right? For some of you to go to your science teachers or to, or to just adults in general or to other students, no disrespect to science teachers, by the way, right? But to go to some of these teachers or some adults or some of your friends and say, I believe God created the world. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the pushback that you get. To say that God made the world makes you look foolish in our modern age, right? In our modern time. It kind of makes you look foolish. We think that saying God made the world makes us look primitive or unwilling to accept obvious scientific realities. But what if I told you that these scientific realities weren't nearly as obvious as you think they are? Creation, the creation account, is something that has not even come close to being disproven scientifically. I'm not talking about like Pastor Ryan says, I'm talking the idea that God, that that an intelligent designer created the world is something that has not even come close to being disproven scientifically. In fact, here we go, ironically, People who laugh off your view of creation in the name of science. How can you believe in creation? Look at all the science. People who say that, they actually don't know much about what the scientific community is saying. Let me explain. So let me, this is what I said, and let me explain it. People who laugh off your idea that God created the world. How could you believe that when science is so clear? That shows me that they don't actually really know what the scientists are, the real scientists, like my job is a scientist, what they're actually saying. Here's what scientists are saying about creation. A book came out in 2014 called Darwin's Doubt. Okay? I usually like to recommend books for you guys. I don't recommend it to you yet because this is a big old thing, right? And it was written by a guy named Stephen Meyer where he makes this case for what's called intelligent design. Intelligent design is the idea that we came from, that we were created by, a higher conscience, a divine being that designed all of life. Not evolution, not the Big Bang, which we'll get to in just a second. That's his thesis. I hate to use that word, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. That's his thesis of the book, right? That it is not random or natural evolution or the result of the Big Bang, here's what he says. Now listen to this quote. I'm going to break it down, okay? Seeing the world, so looking at the world, seeing the world and asking, where is the evidence that God created us? Uh, Seeing the world and asking, where's the evidence that God made us? Is like seeing a tree that is split down the middle, half burnt up, and saying, but where's the evidence of a lightning strike? The proof is already here. The exceptional intricacy of living things all fit precisely into their natural surroundings, seems to cry out for an intelligent designer. According, now here we go, because you're gonna like, you're gonna like check out, but don't. So listen, it's just a job, according to evolutionary biologist. We're cool. According to evolutionary biologist, Francisco Ayala, same part of the book. Listen to what he says. An intelligent designer seems much more necessary now than ever, now that we understand so much cellular biology and the impossibly long odds that face any attempt to design proteins by chance, things that make up DNA, or assemble the mechanisms that control the life cycle of all. Listen to what... I'm going to repeat the part that you need to hear, okay? So just, just hang with me. Here we go. Listen to what he says. An intelligent designer... God, an intelligent designer, seems more necessary than ever now that we understand so much cellular biology. You'd think it would be the other way around. Now that we understand so much science, we can go ahead and disprove God. But that's not what the evolutionary biologist just said. He just said, the more complexities we discover in science, the more scientists are asking, how is it possible... The deeper we dig into the human body, the deeper we dig into nature, the more scientists are asking how is it possible that this is the result of random chance or evolution? That's what scientists are asking today. That's what the guys and girls who are way smarter, right? That's what they're asking. The deeper they dig, they don't doubt more, they're doubting their own theories more because it can't hold. So the Bible continues to stay there, unproven, unchallenged, and the deeper we dig into the body, the deeper we dig into space, the deeper we dig into the world, the less and less scientific theories are able to hold. And again, this isn't some dude standing outside the Brave Stadium with a sign saying that creation is real, right? I don't know if the sign is this big. I just kind of went there, okay? Stephen Meyer, the dude who wrote the book, got his Ph.D. at Cambridge, In philosophy of science, Francisco Ayala is an evolutionary biologist. They're the ones saying this. I got a B in chemistry and a C in biology, okay? It's a B minus, but my mom treated it like a C. Another conversation. Don't listen to me on this. Don't, Don't take my advice on creation and all that. I just know what the Bible says. Don't come to me for the science of it. These are the guys that are telling us that the deeper we get into science the less and less modern scientific theory is able to hold. So when someone comes to you and says, science and creation don't make sense, I I don't know what you're talking about. Because the scientists are the ones who are telling me that modern scientific theory is not holding when it comes to where we came from. And what's left is, creation. Matt Chandler says it like this, wonderful pastor and teacher, look him up on YouTube, Matt Chandler. He says this, I keep waiting for science to catch up to the Bible. Think about it. We usually go the other way. We're ready for the Bible to catch up to science. Come on, we're so far out in front of the Bible. That's not what Matt Chandler says. I'm waiting for science to catch up to the Bible, and that's what's happening. The deeper we dig in science, the more we see it won't hold. This doesn't make sense. Where can we go? And all that's left is scripture. Here's where I cannot tell you guys, I cannot tell you how many students will come to me after watching a 10 minute YouTube video on evolution from some dude in some room and they're like, got it, I figured it out Ryan, I'm sorry but but God is not real, evolution is real. Based on the 10 minute YouTube video of the guy with the thing that they watched. You're a ninth grader, no disrespect to the ninth graders. You're a ninth grader who's failing chemistry and math, but you have somehow discovered through YouTube that God is dead. That like you did it. You can- Thank you. You figured it out. I've got the guy from Cambridge and the evolutionary biologist telling me that you're wrong. And this is what you guys have got to do. When you get pushed on something, when you get pushed on creation or the existence of Jesus or why we believe the Bible, All you have to do is apply a little bit of pressure to that viewpoint, and it's going to crack. If the dude from Cambridge says, this is legit, you don't have to just trust in the dude who saw the video of the guy, okay? Keep this in mind. Here's where we go next. The Big Bang, right? The Big Bang Theory, not the show. Okay, I just want to, so we're all on the same page. I don't want you to think like, oh, about the people the whole time. So pay attention to this because you can use it. Listen, it is ironic that a lot of people who believe in the Big Bang don't believe in God. When all the qualities, I'm going to lose you with my science here, when all the qualities of their thing that exploded are many of the same qualities as the Christian God. I want you to think about this. So they may want to take God out of it and say God is ridiculous, but meanwhile, there is no scientific proof of the Big Bang. You can dress it up in as many journals and nice words as you want, but until it is factually proven, this is a claim, a scientific claim based on, ready, faith. Faith alone. There's this awesome debate, and you can't watch because it's going to make you super cringy the whole time because there's people arguing, right? But it's on YouTube, and it's this... Scientist who doesn't believe in God arguing with a Christian scientist who does, and they're debating, right? And this is what the guy says. Now, think about it. It's on faith alone. And the Christian scientist says, I mean, excuse me, the the scientist who doesn't believe in God, he says, I don't have faith. Like, this is a bad thing. I don't have faith in my research. I don't have faith in my theories. I have confidence. I have confidence in my theories. I have confidence in my research. And the Christian scientist says, do you know what the word confidence means? It's a Latin word that means confide, with faith. It's the exact same thing. Dress it up however you want. Until it is lock solid proven, it is a claim of faith. Now, there's more, okay? But wait, there's more. They believe in the Big Bang. They believe in an entity from which all life came, that created all power and personality. They believe in an entity that existed before life began, I hope it's starting to sound familiar here. They believe in an entity that if it did not exist, there could be no life. That sounds like God to me. Now, are the Big Bang and creation the same? No, not at all. But I'm trying to show you the Big Bang just gets its ideas from the Bible that it doesn't believe. The Big Bang, like it or not, gets its ideas from God. I have a seminary professor um, He is actually my apologetics professor, and he tells this story. Now listen, he tells this story. He's sitting on a plane one time, ooh, he's sitting on a plane, and he's looking a couple rows in front, and this little, like, four-year-old is sitting in her dad's lap. She's sitting in her dad's lap on the plane, and she reaches up and, like, just pops him in the face, right? She slaps him in the face. It's hilarious and adorable all at the same time. So she reaches up and slaps him in the face. Now listen to what he says. This little girl could not reach up and slap her dad if she wasn't already being held up by him in the first place. And in the same way, the Big Bang seeks seeks to disprove God, to slap God. But there couldn't even be a theory like the Big Bang if the truth of the Bible didn't already exist in the first place. The Big Bang tries to slap God, but it couldn't do anything if it wasn't already sitting in his lap. God existed before time. God created all power and personality. Without God, life wouldn't exist. I don't believe in the Big Bang of science. I believe in the big God of Genesis 1. But there's more. Remember, why are we, who cares? Why are we learning about this? A lot of reasons, but one of them is, remember, where we come from, how we were created or made or exploded or whatever, affects how we live today. And Let me explain that. Where we come from affects how we live. The first document, let's do a little history, right? It's amazing. The first document that started the eradication of slavery, okay? The first document that started the eradication of slavery in the United States, long before the 13th Amendment, which I know you've got memorized, right? Or the Emancipation Proclamation was the Bible, okay? The second, did I hit too close to home with the memorization thing? Um, The second document that helped rid the world of slavery, listen, in the United States, it was the Declaration of Independence, which starts its second paragraph with, help me out, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are what? Created, what? Equal, and endowed by their creator, like three of you have gotten further than the, than the schoolhouse, for, whatever, uh, cre- endowed by their creator, thank you, Brinley, with certain inalienable rights. Here's the thing. So the Declaration of Penance is released, right? It's published. It says this, right? It's all over podcasts in the 1700s. Everybody's watching it. It's awesome. What a lot of people don't know, listen, what a lot of people don't know, endowed by their creator, created equal, is that this statement took off like wildfire in the U.S. when the document was published. Women read this and said, created equal, where we all created equal, why don't we get a voice? It was the Declaration of Independence that started this. Anti-slavery activists read this and say, well, if not all cultures, but in fact all people are, cre- if all men are created equal, how can one culture enslave another? And the dominoes began to fall. Because of that, now in the 1700s and 1800s, it's not just some dude yelling in a corner about how slavery is bad. Now it's national policy that all people are created equal. The founding fathers just said so. And it started with creation. In their mind, we are equal. People are equal because they are created equal. And if we are made equal then no matter what our physical differences, no matter our economic differences, we are the same at the most basic human level. And according to the Declaration of Independence, it's because we were created that way. The Declaration is influenced by a lot of sources, but its chief influence was, take a guess, the Bible. Christian morality. And here's why that's important. How we are created, where we come from, affects how we live. There is no idea more pervasive in our society today than the fact that all people are equal. They must be treated with equal respect and equal value under the law. In our culture, that is treated as a rock-solid law, and it should be. But listen, all people should be treated equal. Based on what? Why should everyone be treated? I want you to stop and think about this. But why? Why should everyone be treated equal? with equal care and dignity. Because that's the way it is, Ryan. That's a child's answer. We need a real answer as to why, really, why should everyone be treated equally? And as a Christian who knows Genesis 1, I can give that to you. But if there is no God, if there is no God, if Genesis 1 is not true, and we do not all have the same source, who's to say that my source isn't better than yours? If we aren't all made in God's image, who's to say that my ancestry, my image, isn't better than yours? One guy named Ligon Duncan says it like this. Listen, this, is, this brings it together. You see, there are people who want to argue, let's leave God out of this. We just evolved from the blob. His words, we just evolved from the blob. But yet at the same time, they still want to believe that all people are equal. And you cannot have it both ways. You've got to reject that people have the same rights if you're going to reject that they have the same source. They have the same rights But this is what people will believe, and this is what you hear. Of course we're not created by God, but everyone should be treated equal. Put it on Instagram, post it all over the place, right? They have the same rights. Everyone's got the same rights, but they don't have the same source. You can't do that because you have nothing to base all those rights on. Most social scientists believe that the human race evolved from various points all across the world. Well, if that's true, then who's to say that one branch of the human race wasn't better than another branch? Who's to say, right? You do great, you do great. Who's to say that my group of people who evolved aren't better than your group of people? You say we all have to be treated as equal, yet you don't believe in God. So you're saying we all have the same rights, But if we don't come from the same source, how can our rights be the same? Well, here's where that becomes a problem. I don't believe in God either, and I have more money than you. So my way gets all the rights now. My side has all the guns, so my side gets all the rights now. Unless there is something that says we are equal no matter how much money we have. And how many guns you have. We are equal on a level deeper than that. On a fundamental human level that money and power cannot touch because it happened to us equally before any of us ever got money or power. If we come from a God who is beautiful and we have all His beauty stamped on us, now it's horrible for you to enslave anyone or abort someone Or oppress someone. Because you are assaulting the image of God and the rights that they have because they were created by Him just like you were. Why is it good to take care of the poor? Why is it bad when people starve? Seriously, why is it bad? Because we bear an image that is being destroyed when we are destroyed. Because we are all connected, not by money or race or power, but by the beauty of our Creator, stamped on us all. Here it is, and I bolded it so you know it's important. If you don't have a common root that makes us all equal, if you don't have a common root that makes us all equal, then rules are not dictated by creation and God. They are dictated by power. And who has more of it? Welcome to the Atlantic slave trade. Welcome to Nazi Germany. Everything in your history books that you snooze in and out of during class, all of it is a result of Genesis 1 through 3. All of it. When we ditch the idea that we are all created excuse me, when we ditch the idea that we are all equal because we are created from the same God, chaos ensues. Atheism will lead to chaos because there is no longer a common denominator, so whoever's got the bigger muscles makes all the rules. You cannot make the case, I'm telling you, you cannot make the case of equal beauty and dignity unless you believe in the Genesis creation account. That's the only way the view holds up. So many truths, marriage, gender, the role of women and men, where did we come from, what is our purpose, all of these are found in Genesis, and they start with God, who is first described as creator. Let me show you something about the creation days, I'm going to tell you a story about Facebook, and then we'll be done, okay? They're all connected, I know, right? All right, here we go. Here comes the creation days, okay? Okay? I'm just doing this so you have a healthy view of creation before we get into the good stuff, well, the even better stuff to come, right? You get it. All right, look at um, verse 2 of Genesis again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, okay? This is the earth before God really gets to work. The earth was formless and void, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was over the surface of the waters. So before God really gets His hands into the creation... Creation is formless, there's no form. It is empty, there it is formless, no form. It is void, empty, and there's darkness over the surface of the deep. That's what creation is. And then God gets to work. Formless, it has no form. Days one through three are dedicated to giving the world form, that's the pattern they follow. Day one, God creates light. Day two, God creates atmosphere. Day three, God creates land, sea, and vegetation. The dark, empty creation that has no form has now been molded with vegetation and oxygen and filled with light. So it's formless, but now it has form. Then, remember, what was it? It was void. It was empty. Days four through six are dedicated to God Filling his newly formed world. Day four, the sun, the moon, the stars fill the atmosphere. Day five, sea animals fill the water, birds fill the sky. Day six, land animals fill the earth, and man is made last to rule over it all. We'll get into that next week. God has now fit, formed his formless creation, he has filled his empty creation. And remember the last one darkness, there was no light. Day one, He creates light. Day four, he creates the sun, moon, and stars, giving that light a form and order so that it can fill his creation. Darkness has been replaced by light. Formlessness has been given form. Emptiness has been filled. Listen to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that we are without excuse. God is order, fullness and light. We see these qualities, the order, the fullness, the light. We see it in creation. The order of things, the system of our bodies, the perfectly tuned cycles within atoms and within galaxies, it all points to an intelligent designer. Nature's order and nature's fullness is a clear case for God. But one more thing, Facebook and Grandpa. So, okay, here we go. Uh, I'm getting ready. This was last night, and I just like shoved it into the sermon. Last night, I'm on the couch typing up this sermon, and my beautiful wife, Kristen, is on Facebook on her phone and i'm typing and all of a sudden she's like oh, and i was like oh boy and i was like what's up babe and she and this is the story she told she goes this this kid evan he he's 4 years old and he had a birthday party and he invited his whole class to chuggy e. cheese and nobody came and i thought we knew him and i was like oh my gosh who's evan and she goes i don't know he's just on facebook and so like and so i'm like oh my gosh okay and so here's the story this kid this 4 year old kid named evan trying to have a birthday party. Invited his whole class, and none of them came. So the Chuck E. Cheese worker, Chuck E. Cheese, of course, the Chuck E. Cheese worker, teenage girl, sees the issue, invites all her teenager friends to Evan's birthday party, and they all bring him presents. And he had like the best day ever. And so at the end, like we're both like, I'm just, I'm a mess, right? Because it was awesome, because he was so alone, and now he's got friends. And then, and then I'm back to my sermon, I've like just got it back under control, and she's like, "Oh my gosh!" And I was like, "Kristen, oh my gosh!" Like, and she was, and this is the story she told me. This one, she was like, "This is all on Facebook." Like, and she was like, "This this grandpa," and I was like, "Oh god!" And she was like, "This grandpa lives in the same neighborhood." True story, because it's on Facebook. He lives in the same neighborhood as all his grandkids. There's like ten of them, right? Looking at you, Caravana. There's like ten of them, right? And so he lives there. There's nothing wrong with that. And so he lives there. In the same neighborhood, and he wants to spend more time with his kid, with his grandkids. So the dude bought a school bus. He bought a bus, and now he can take all his kids to school every day. And so it's this it's like this awesome thing, right? It's this awesome thing. Now, now here we go. This is why what does it have to do with anything? Watch. In May of 2019, here's where it gets boring again, whatever. In May 2019. The American Psychological Association revealed a study on loneliness. The findings were incredible. According to them, evidence suggests that social isolation, loneliness, can result in... So this is just loneliness. No, no other factors. Loneliness can result in depression, poor sleep quality, impaired judgment, accelerated decline in the brain poor heart function, and declining immunity to disease at every stage in life. No matter what your age, according to the American Psychiatric Association, no matter what your age is, loneliness has an effect on your health. So loneliness affects the health of people no matter what age they are, not just the elderly. What does it have to do with creation? Here we go, I'm getting teed up. In addition... A 2019 study led by the American Cancer Society, again, ridiculously smart people, analyzed data from more than 580,000 adults and found that loneliness increases the risk of premature death from every cause for every race. Being alone, regardless of your health, regardless of your race, increases your chance of getting sick. I ask you, if loneliness can destroy our health, if we literally, if you and I literally get weaker when we are separated from people for extended periods of time, how can we be rooted in? How can we come from an impersonal, unrelational it that exploded over time or that evolved over time? How can we be rooted in something impersonal that just happened if we literally die faster without relationships? Church kids, what is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit called? The what? The Trinity. Our God is a living, and they're in Genesis 1, by the way. Our God is a living, constant, complete union. Needing nothing. Fully satisfied in Himself. Perfect happiness. And we, listen, and we are made in His image. We desire relationships, friendships, family, closeness, because we're made in the image of a God who is the perfect relationship. We must have relationships to live Because we're rooted in the perfect relationship. We were created by the perfect relationship. It all ties together. It all leads back to creation.